And I want to encourage you this morning to truly, truly, truly lean in to the truth in the scriptures today. Today we're going to be starting a brand new series entitled, Win the Day. Win the Day. And you know, some of you might be thinking, oh, this is one of those pump you up New Year messages. No, it's not. No, it's not. Let me tell you why. Because God is not into New Year's. God is into the new. He's only into the new. God doesn't do old things. God doesn't dwell in the old. The book of Isaiah tells us, hey, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you perceive it? Can't you see it? The Bible tells us that the old is passed away. Behold, we are to behold all things are made new. And so God operates, God functions, God dwells, God invites us in the new. And so as we begin this new year, this new day, the truth is that many start by setting goals, resolutions, right? We, we say, this is going to be my year when I do this. This is going to be the time where I change this. This is the moment from this point forward where I'm going to start doing this. Any of you been there? Come on, you can tell on yourself. It's okay. Any of you start making some of those? There's nothing wrong with those. A bunch of you are liars, by the way. Hey, I'm just calling you out on the truth. We, all, we start that way. We all have goals. We all have ideas. At least we should. But we're always looking ahead, even if it's just to tomorrow, even if it's just to later on today. And the reality is that statistics prove that 91% of people that set goals, that look to a tomorrow, that begin to dream past today, even this moment, 91% don't ever get there. And the question is, why? And I would propose for us to consider that many want to win at life without ever starting at today. Many want to win. Many, many want to get ahead. Many of us want to see the promises of God. But we don't want to walk in the promise and everything that it entails to get there in this moment. See, thus... It's not just about getting somewhere or accomplishing something or seeing the fulfillment of God's work in that heyday or way out there in, in the old yonder. No, it's winning day to day. It's winning day by day. Hey, friend, you can win right now in this moment. Right now in this moment. And so it reminds me of a story I once heard of an analogy I came across of a, a statue that's out in France. And this statue is called Opportunity, but it's interesting why it's called Opportunity. This sculpture is a depiction of a man who is running. That was your cue. <laughs> running. <laughs> this guy's in motion. And he's leaning in, and from the sculpture, you can tell that this guy, the depiction is that he's running forward. And at the front of his head, there's hair. I can't relate to the guy in that regard. There's hair. But at the back of his head, there's no hair. And if you really consider why this sculpture is called opportunity is because opportunity is always before us. And as long as it's in front of us, we can still grasp it. But the moment it passes by, the opportunity's gone, friend. We missed it. We missed it. Let me tell you 
about what the scripture says, about opportunities, about the opportunity that's at hand. Listen to what the scripture says is at hand. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15, declares this. So be very careful how you what? How you live. In other words, what you do day by day. Be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding. Now, who are those that have no understanding? Watch what the scripture says. But live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Isn't that true? Look, whether you believe in Jesus or not, the truth is this. This world is jacked up, right? We're living in evil times. But watch this. These are the ones that live with no understanding. Take, th these are the ones that do live with understanding. Take full advantage every day. How often? Every day. As you spend your life for his purposes. I want to talk to you today from the heart of God on the topic, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Friend, the truth is that we all have something in our hands. Do something with me real quick. Put your hands out. Put your hands out as far as, far as you can. Now, face them towards you. What do you see? I see fingers. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see an opportunity. Yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're looking at your hands. You know what the problem is? For many people, we look at life this way. We look through our hands as opposed to seeing what God has placed in our hands. And my friend, I'm here to tell you today that every day in your hands is the day that God has given you. And according to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the question is, what will you do with today? What will you do in this moment? What will change from this point forward? I know we like to think, oh God, you're the potter and I'm the clay, and so it's your job to change me. No. no. You're going to see differently in the scripture. Oh yes, he is the potter and we are the clay. See, that's our position, that's our posture before God. We, we submit to God to mold us, to shape us, to lead us, to guide us, but we play a part in it, friends. And what's interesting is when the scripture talks about taking full advantage, in Ephesians chapter 5, 16, when it talks about taking full advantage of every day, the term full advantage there in the Greek literally means this. It means to make oneself wise. But watch this. By making use of every sacred opportunity listen to what the scripture is actually declaring every day every moment is sacred God deems it holy why because he's given it to you and I to maximize it what will you do today in this moment what's in your hand see the scriptures record a day when Moses was leading the nation of Israel and they had finally broken free from the grip. The grip of slavery, the yoke of slavery that was heavy upon them under Egypt's hand after God had enacted mighty plagues against them to deliver them. And so they are in between opportunity and the past. 
their departure was significant. It was a life-defining moment. You see, behind them was history. Behind them was a distant past that they kept too close to their heart. Behind them was 400 years under slavery. And now they've left Egypt and they're pressing forward with the promise of new territory. The promise that God had made them that they were stepping into a land that would flow with milk and honey. The implication of that promise was that you're going to step into a place where you don't have to go searching for honey because it flows for you. You don't have to seek my blessing because it's awaiting you. It's there for you. It's a new thing that I'm taking you to, a new thing that I'm doing. God speaking to somebody here right now, right here online. It's a brand new life. It's the life that Jesus promised. A life where we flow in abundance. It's an abundant life. But in the present moment, where we're going to start, pick up on Moses and the nation of Israel, after their departure, they stood between the future ahead, this promise, and a past behind them. And right there, in between these two, was an opportunity. A great opportunity. Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 10, states that as Pharaoh approached, so Pharaoh and the armies of Israel, of, of, of Egypt, are chasing behind them. They let them go, and they go, oh, no, what did we do? Let's go get them. So they're heading to this place of promise, and Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt are behind them. And as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and watched what they did. And they panicked. They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Now watch this. The Egyptians weren't even there yet. And they were already convinced we've been overtaken. And so the scripture says that they cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord! Oh, God, help me! Oh, God, save us! And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Get this. God promised them you're stepping into a land of great promise of great blessing. And while they were there hearing the promise, they're saying, we should stay in Egypt. Nah, we should stay in Egypt. I don't, I don't know that that's a good idea, God. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better, listen to, listen to the madness. Listen to how much a grip the past had on their heart. Listen to the mindset. Listen to what else verse 12 says. It's better that we be slaves in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That's crazy. That is madness. Verse 13 goes on to say, But Moses told the people, Do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 
never again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, watch this. Why are you crying out to me? So get the, get the reality of what's happening here. The people are crying out. Moses is encouraging them. And at no point do we hear Moses complain, which tells us something. This is what was actually happening in Moses' heart. Moses was encouraging them while at the same time saying, we're not going to make it. God, you got, I'm encouraging these people, but God, you, you got to do this. And God says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Verse 16, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Look, there's no denying that Israel was in a tight spot. Would you agree? The people of God were in a tight spot. I got good news for you. We will find ourselves in tight spots. It's going to happen. Before them is an impassable Red Sea. Behind them is Egypt's mighty army. And they appear to be stuck, and so they cry out to God. I want you to envision what that might have sounded like. Women are crying. Men are crying. Kids are seeing their parents crying, and so they're crying. Everybody's crying. Wow, wow, wow. We're all going to die. We were better off in Egypt. Why'd you have to bring us out here? God, where are you now? And Moses is crying too. And God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Wherein is the opportunity here? What opportunity do we see in the middle here? What opportunity do we see be between an impassable Red Sea and an army that is about to crush them? What's that opportunity? Let me tell you what that opportunity was. God tells Moses, take the staff in your hand and raise it over the sea. And listen to what the scripture says that God told him. Divide the sea so that you can walk on dry ground. Wait, but I thought that was God's job. God says to him, in essence, I've given you everything you need in your hands. That stick in your hands, that staff that you know so well from when you led sheep, and you yourself were stuck. That stick that I've given you in your hand, with that stick, I tell you, raise it and use it and divide the land. Nowhere in the scripture does it tell us that God told him, raise your staff and I'll divide the sea. My point with that is this, that when we dare to do what matters most today in faith with God, what seems impassable will become plausible because God backs you. No one saw the opportunity before them but God. And friends, I've got good news for you. You might not see the opportunity, 
but God does. So today I want to encourage you with an opening thought before we dig into some things that we need to consider for ourselves and apply. And it's this, that those who render what's in hand to God's plans will eventually see God's hand in everything. When you use what you have and you say, God, this is all I know, this is all I can do, this is all that I see, he says, use it and watch me work. Use it and watch me work. Friend, you might just be good at one thing. But that one thing is a beginning to many things. If you put it in God's hands. Come on, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to somebody's heart here right now. There's somebody online, you need to hear this. See, the moment Moses realized the opportunity for a miracle, watch this, was in his hands. God worked a miracle through his hands hands through his hands go ahead and give three people you didn't come with a high five and tell them use your hands come on use your hands use your hands brother use your hands use your hands use your hands online use your hands use what's in your hand don't minimize it friend don't minimize this moment where your eyes are being opened to some truth. So I want to give you just a couple of things to consider, to reflect upon, to take with you, but not just simply take with you, but to apply. We have to apply truth. We have to apply the wisdom of God if we're to see it work in our lives, right? The first point I want to leave you with here is that we must live in the moment. We must live in the moment. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'll use an example, and then we'll, we'll look to the scriptures and qualify this statement a little bit more about living in the moment. While teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, social psychologist and professor Tony Campalo once turned an ordinary lecture into an unforgettable lesson. He asked an unsuspecting student sitting in front of him, young man, how long have you lived? How long have you lived? And this student, right, answered according to his age. He says, I'm 19. Tony Campalo responded, no, 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 that's how long your heart has been pumping blood. That's not how long you've lived. Tony Campalo then went on to tell his class about one of the most memorable moments in his life. Way back in 1944, he recalled and he was in his fourth grade class and they took a field trip to the top of the Empire State Building. It was the tallest building in the world at that time, so he was excited to go to this building. But when nine-year-old Tony got off the elevator and stepped onto the observation deck overlooking New York City, time stood Still, he says, in one mystical, magical, monumental moment, I took in the city 
If I live a million years, he told himself, that moment will still be a part of my consciousness because I was fully alive when I lived it in that moment. Let me ask you a question, friend. How long have you lived? How long have you actually lived? Taking in the moment. When you wake up, taking in the moment, I am alive. Taking in the moment, I have my children. Taking in the moment, I have my wife. I have my husband. Taking in the moment, I have an opportunity. You might be working at McDonald's, friends, and you know what the scripture says? Many people go, I'll never work at McDonald's. You're a fool. Let me tell you why. Because no matter how small it appears, here's what God says. He says, I've given you the power to create wealth. God doesn't give us money. He, give us, he gives us the power, the opportunity to create wealth. Friend, you can start a McDonald's flipping burgers, and if you trust God and you walk with God, you'll be running that place in six months. The blessing of God is all over you. The favor of God is upon you. Opportunity is before you. Will you seize it or will you dismiss it and let it pass by? Come on now, I'm talking to somebody. You know, it's interesting. I read this in a book. Uh, two social psychologists, Matt Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert, they conducted a research project years ago. And in this project, what they realized was that the average person spends approximately 47% of their time thinking about something else other than what they're doing in the present moment. Isn't that true? You're at work and you're thinking about something else, right? You're driving. This is dangerous. You're driving and you're off in a Uber somewhere. But somehow you're still driving. Isn't that weird? It's true. But that says something. We're half present, half time, all the time, which means we're half alive. We're half alive. The Bible records a time when Joshua was before a massive army called the, Ma the Amalekites. And it was a life-defining moment, and he lived that moment to the fullest. The task at hand was destroy the Amalekites today. The problem was they weren't done and the sun was, was, was going down. In other words, it was starting to get dark. They wouldn't be able to chase them down. They wouldn't be able to see their enemy. And the scripture says that Joshua prayed a bold prayer. A bold prayer. He, in that moment, he lived that moment fully. Joshua 10, 12 says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day when the Lord handed over the Amorites to the sons of Israel. In other words, the enemy was already in their grasp. God had already guaranteed this is your victory. So he knew what was at hand. And Joshua said in the sight of Israel. So he talks to God and then he speaks. Over all Israel, he says, Sun, stand still in Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. 
And so the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation of Israel took vengeance upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stood still in the middle of the sky and was in no hurry to go down for about a whole day. Listen, living in the moment is about seeking God for possibilities in the midst of the impossible. That's living in the moment. Oftentimes, we see impossible and we go, oh, no, I can't. And you know what the problem is? The problem in impossible for us is always who's at the front of the problem. If you just take those first two letters and add an apostrophe, tell me, who's the problem in impossible? It's us. I'm the problem, if you get my point. See, trusting God, listen, listen to this. Living in the moment is about trusting God with what you can't do, but doing what you can do. You can do. Everyone can, but not many will. See, we have to do something. Living in the moment is about stretching your faith so you can break into new realms of victory and opportunity. Let me ask you this question, friend. How many God-ordained opportunities haven't we missed because we failed to live in the moment? Consider this moment. What is God showing you? What is God enlightening you to? What is it that you weren't thinking about that you're thinking about now? And you're going, man, I haven't been living in the moment. And maybe that moment is still present. You know what God's saying to you? Don't miss it. Seize it. Take a hold of it. Because I've given it to you this day. This day. Live in the moment, friend. The second point that I want to give you here for reflection and application is that there's nothing small about what you have at all. There's nothing small about what you have at all. Consider this. Moses didn't even factor in the stick in his hand when God told him, why are you crying out to me? He didn't even think about the stick in his hand. He didn't think to attempt the miraculous. Some might say, well, he wasn't God. How would he know? Friends, if you read the scriptures, and you backtrack just a couple of chapters before this moment. This was the same stick that God told him, throw it on the floor and watch it turn into a snake and eat up all those little snakes that their little uh, witches and, and, and little magicians put out there. In other words, Moses forgot what God had placed in his hand. He reduced what God had done. Friend, what has God placed in your hand that has served to be a blessing in your life that today you curse? What are you cursing that God calls blessed? I'll give you a few things we curse. How about that job you have? Ouch. I mean, it's true, right? Come on now. How many of us don't complain? I know some of you are looking at me weird now. You're going, you mean you actually complain about being a pastor at this church? 
Hey, she bite. I'm just saying. She bite. But I'm not complaining. Listen, God's response to his cries tell us that Moses should have known to use the staff that God had anointed in his hands. Friends, everything before you, the day you have right now, the opportunities that God has placed in your path, the things that are in your trust to steward, God has blessed them. And he says, instead of complaining about what you don't have, why don't you start using what you do have? Because there, therein is the blessing. Therein is where we grow from, amen? See, what we see here is that what God has given us, our God-given talents, our abilities, are not too small. They're not. They're actually bigger than we think. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 tells us something about small things. Take a lesson from the ants. <laughs> you want to learn something about life? Follow the ant, God says. Follow the ant, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. How can we become wise in following after the example of an ant? Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. Watch this. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Watch what God chooses to do in all his wisdom. He says, let me teach you about life. Let me teach you about great things. Let me teach you about abundance. Let me teach you about my blessing." He, he talks about a big outcome, and then he points us to one of the smallest creatures in all creation, an ant. And you know why he points us to the ant? Because what we learn from the ant, what's so amazing about the ant is that the reason why the ant accomplishes so much is because it doesn't know that it can't. The scripture says the ant doesn't have a prince or a governor or a ruler over it. It rises up and it, and it says, hello sunshine, let's get it today. Today is a day of opportunity and so it works because it has the ability. It dares to go somewhere where it hasn't because it's there. It dares to do something with today because after all, you're either living or you're dying every day. Which one will we choose? God uses one of the smallest things in creation to teach us that he uses the small things that we do. Even when we see ourselves as small, he uses us. He uses those things to affect God-sized results. The question is, will you do it? Will you do it? Will you start in the small places? 
Well, you start in the place in those things that you minimize. Friends, small beginnings are a guarantee to great results. Nothing in life gets built by starting big. It's always with the small things. The smallest of things. For example, you might look at this building, but I'll tell you what you're not considering. Every nail. Those, those are the things that hold up the structure of life. The small things. So let's be faithful there. The last point that I want to leave you here for reflection and application is that taking no risk, taking no risks is the greatest risk of all. Let me say that again. Taking no risks is the greatest risk of all. Moses' moment between the future promised land that lay ahead and the past that was trying to catch up to him required a risky step. Think about this just practically. You got a massive army behind you. You've got a company of criers and complainers all around you. You're afraid yourself. And in front of you is a raging Red Sea that you have no means by which to cross. And God says, stretch your hand. Use what's in your hand. Divide the sea. Don't tell me that that's not risk. Hey, I got good news for you. Faith isn't about safety. Faith is all about risk. Because we have to step out when we trust God. We have to step out if we're going to truly follow after God. See, faith is a risk, friend. But it's a risk that promises great rewards. Faith calls us to step out into the unknown and believe in a God. Believe that God knows us and holds us every step of the way. Hmm. You know, one of the reasons why we fail to walk by faith so often is because we think that Faith is about comfort. Faith is about living life and smooth sailing. Can I tell you that that is a deception? Faith is for the purpose of moving forward. And to move forward, you have to press through some things. Matthew 7, 24 through 25, the words of Jesus, he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, puts them into practice, puts them into practice, 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. Friends, guess this. Watch this. You, you, got, you got to appreciate this. Faith isn't for, faith, for, for safety. Faith is for storms. Faith is for tomorrow, and it's what we do with it today. Let me ask you something, friend. Oh, come on. If you're going to praise God, then be real about it. I mean, come on. You know, I love you, right? I'm just saying, you know, listen, if, if you're going to if you're going to go, man, God, you are speaking. To me, then then let the world hear it. Right. Be loud and proud about it. I'm standing on a rock. But you see, faith isn't for safety. Faith is for storms. But oftentimes we wait till the storm to begin to attempt to walk by faith. And that's not how faith works at all. No, friends, let me tell you the risk. The risk is I will build my life now on this truth, even though I don't see the promised end in sight. I will trust that God is with me even when I can't hear him and feel him. I will believe the best because his word promises it, despite the fact that I'm going through the worst of times. See, when you live that way in faith, walking with God, the scripture says you're building a house. But you're not just building any house, friend. You are building a house that can stand. You're building a house that withstands. Come on and give God some praise this morning. Now, as we stand and come to a close today, come on, join me in standing. Your house was built to stand. I want to point your attention to something. I want you to notice that the wise man that builds the house is not God. It's you. It's me. It's us. It's us. So I want to encourage you today that if you're going to win every day and you're going to win a day and you're going to win in this moment which will determine tomorrow and the rest of your life. Friend, you have to start using your faith because you have it at hand. And some of us right now, we're using our faith. We're all using our faith. But some of you are using it for all the wrong purposes. You're operating with faith backwards. You're believing the worst. You're seeing the worst. You're telling yourself a different story. It's faith in reverse. And faith is to move forward. It's time. 
to win the moment so that we can win the day, so that we can win at life. And I'm not talking about personal glory here, friend. I'm talking about winning with God day by day, walking in victory from this day forward. Come on and give God some praise this morning. Now, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Right here, right now, don't miss this moment. Psalm 37 says that what we commit to the Lord, he is faithful to establish ahead of us. And right here in this divine, holy moment where heaven meets earth, in the presence, in the hearing of God's word, as his spirit is speaking to you and I, we have a divine opportunity to commit to change. To commit to win moment by moment from this day forward. Man, I'm standing here looking at a room full. And you online, I may not see you, but I know you are there. God sees you. God sees each and every one of us. I'm standing here as a witness to a people who were created to win. So like the ant, if God says you're a winner, then just go win. Stay in that moment. I can't lose. If God be for me, who can stand against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I want you to take this moment to commit this day, this moment to God. But if you're going to make a commitment, you've got to commit to a change. And the question that only you can answer before God right now is, what will change from this point forward? can't answer that for you, but I can tell you the outcome if you do do it with God is a path ahead of you. It's a good one. Trust God. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.